When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Tendy Talk presented by the BLPA and Hockey Podcast Networks. I am your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with Beer League Goalie and U.S. Army veteran Ian Humphrey. We chat about goaltending, his love of the Joker, and how recent events may have triggered active and retired members of our armed forces and why you should check on those vets you know. So, without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Ian. Ian, thanks for joining me. Good to have you on the podcast. Been, uh, we've been following each other on Instagram for quite a while and messaged back and forth, so it's good to actually kind of talk face-to-face. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You always have some interesting posts and uh, podcasts. <laughs> <decent>, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so I, I, I know a little bit of your story. You know, you're originally from California, then you moved to Iowa as a young kid, and that's when uh, you started playing hockey. What what got you into hockey? What what uh, kind of was that, I need to try this out for you? Um, you know, I, I was kind of playing soccer. Um, just as a kid, you know, I love running around and stuff like that. But uh, hockey kind of got my attention when – uh, pretty much like Kelly Rudy started to, you know, started doing the things that he did. Um, in LA there, um, you know, me being from LA, the LA area, um, you know, I kind of drew a liking straight to him. So, mm-hmm. um, him and uh, a little bit of Eddie. <laughs> Who couldn't like Eddie Belfour in those years? And just his style was unreal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially like, yeah, the early 90s and mid-90s goalies. They always had 
Hashik. I mean, there's so many goalies that all had their own personalities to their Yeah, you know, I forget who I was talking to, but I said, you know, goalies in the 90s, you could just see their silhouette and know who they were, very much like a baseball player in their batting stance, where today it's not as easy. You, you can see a silhouette of a stance and one out of 10, you're going to get it. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get it. If, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. One out of 10. But yeah, definitely the 90s, you know, that glove position and how close their legs were, along with the, uh, the stick positioning, you could pretty much tell, yeah. especially when it came to Rudy. Um, you know, Belfort was a little bit more spread out, I feel like. Yeah, he was spread out. We used to have the joke in Chicago, you know, Eddie walked out of uh, Chicago Stadium right in front of a CTA bus, but don't worry, it went right between his legs because his five hole was so big. Um, <laughs> But that that was also part of his strategy, you know, give him the big five hole and then quick take it away. But you're right, like Kelly Rudy had the old school legs together. Richter was kind of a hybrid where they were together in certain situations and he spread them. But even the, the glove position, you know, Potvin had that goofy little, had it facing towards him until the shooter was ready. Then he'd quick snag it. And, um, yeah, you know, yep, that got me in a lot of yeah, it, it was always <laughs> funny. You could tell the kids who were Potvin fans when you went out on the ice because they had that glove turned around, and uh, they just weren't as quick as him, so they tended to get a lot of pucks to the back of the hand. <laughs> yep, yep. I had. Uh, I still find myself trying to resorting back to that bad habit, as they say nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I was a very late adapter to you know even holding the glove up, you know, this way the way you see most kids today you know, for those long shots and it makes complete sense, but you know, for the longest time, it's like, no, you hold it out like this. And then you just go this way. It's like, no, there's actually good reasoning for it. But I think Hashik was the first one I started holding the glove that way, you know, but. You know, I think you're right. (laughs) Kind of presenting it nice and big to the shooter and taking up all that area. Yeah, he, he was the first one I remember seeing. And it's not like it caught on because he was, well, he wasn't quite retired yet, but uh, he was doing it for many, many years before I noticed any other goalies trying to do that. And you really didn't see many of the pro goalies, in my opinion, doing it as much as you saw youth goalies and youth goalie coaches teaching that. Um, so, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. So what what actually made you want to be a goalie, you know? So yeah, you're playing soccer and you see hockey, you're like, let me try this. What made you want to put the pads on and uh, <laughs> try that out? Um, Yeah, sorry, I had ambulance and whatnot going down by my road. <laughs> I might have to take you into baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, no, I mean, I, I started out – you know, skating out, playing uh, right wing, which I still kind of do when I skate out um, if I don't play defense. But, uh, no, it was definitely, as you mentioned him before, Felix Potvin. Once I saw him, um, you know, the way that he was playing, I was kind of like, you know, with that kind of style and that kind of look, I kind of want to be a goalie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, everything that you can to stop the puck from getting past you. That's that's it's like self-sacrifice it's almost kind of like a mental attitude which I think kind of has a little bit of what I went into when I became an adult I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll get to that point here in a little bit yeah 
Oh yeah, we will. It, it, it's funny you talk about that self-sacrifice because I was talking to Bonesy uh, earlier this week and now he's got that great vintage set. He's like, always back then, you know, <laughs> you felt that, you know, I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, we did. You know, it, it's funny because I was talking to him about that equipment and uh, he only uses it for controlled skates, not full on games where he get. I was like, oh, you, you got to do it at least once and see what nuts we really were back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, like back then when I started, uh, when I started playing a net, um, sorry, I'm not actually going to make it my way back down into the basement. Give me a little bit better connection here. No problem. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, when I, first, when I first started playing, um, I was using, I think I just saw a picture kind of floating around um, on the gram recently of the old Coho street hockey pads that were red, white, and blue. Yep. I... Those, are the, those are the exact same pads that I had. That was my first set. That's when I played ice hockey. <laughs> I remember my first association supplied uh, chest protector was one of those two-piece chest protectors that was nothing more than a piece of fabric you know between you and the puck and it's like and then you see what kids today have and it's like oh boy (laughs) what life would have been like back then all the bruises I wouldn't have had oh yeah for sure for sure yeah I mean I I have a one x now um I just upgraded from a Vaughn v6 um and yeah, I mean, it, when you look at something like that and you're, you just kind of look at it with that old school kind of mentality that we have, it's kind of like, this is going to protect me. I don't understand. <laughs> but then we start taking shots to it. Then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There's some pretty decent plastics and foams in here. <laughs> well, and I, I think the older equipment, as Bonesy and I were talking about, the older equipment required us to play different. That's why our styles were different. It was maybe a little more athletic than the predominantly blocking style you see today and good or bad I I kind of like that older athletic style because of it um but at the same time it's like why the heck were we turning our skate over and exposing the whole backside of our leg that had nothing to it for skate saves <laughs> you know it's like what what were yep. we thinking who was the uh moron to do that the first time and go you know what this is a good idea we should teach kids how to do this <laughs> yeah yeah, with no knee landing, no protection on the inner calf, there's nothing there. Like you couldn't, when you butterflied, you had to be sure that you were going to not regret it. Yeah, I, well, and that's like young goalies today don't have the knee problems us older goalies have. It's like we have knee problems not because of the puck, it's because going down onto the ice into the butterfly with nothing there except for a leather strap. Yep. Yep. And now, of course, now they're starting to, uh, you know, us older guys are all about the knee protection. So we're like, what, what's the best knee protection I can get? I need all the protection I can get. I need more cushioning. I need, yeah. you know, every, every little piece. Like I, I'm still wearing my old bonds that I bought in the 1900s and never wore knee pads underneath them. I still don't. And it's like, now you got guys wearing, you know, modern equipment and they got these giant knee pads underneath and I'm going, if you're getting hit in the knee with those pads, you're not playing properly. So I got, I got, I'm waiting on my new pads and 
I don't foresee me getting any extra knee protection because what I'm getting in the new ones is light years ahead of what I have now. Yeah. Yeah. No joke there. Um, I had a, had an old set from probably like when I first started getting back into playing, um, which is probably, gosh, what's it? Seven, eight years ago now. Um, had an old set of net zeros, uh, Brian's net zeros. Yeah. And the knee stick is completely different than what I've got now, which is the genetic threes. Yeah. And it, it took such, like, I'm still trying to adapt to how thick that knee stack is. And there's even times where it's just the rotation is completely different. So I have to constantly play with the strapping. My current knee stack is like the original chest protector I had. It's just some fabric with a little bit of, uh, you know, stuffing in there. Because, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, when the calf rack came out, we're like, this is amazing. Look at all this extra protection we have. It did nothing. Um, it just gave you a little <laughs> extra protection from a skate blade. But that that's what I'm still using today. And so it's like, I, I can't wait for those knee blocks. <laughs> the first time I make a butterfly in them, I'm like, man, it's like falling down onto a cloud. Um right. So uh, getting back on track, you you played some youth hockey, but you didn't play super long. Why did you stop playing at at that young age? Um, You know, it it had to do with me kind of growing up in a low, I wouldn't necessarily say low income, um, Mm -hmm. but I would say probably like a lower middle class um, only. And, you know, back in our day, I don't know if they still do it. Um, I've got kids of my own, so I'm sure I'll realize it one day. But uh, um, back then, you know, we had to sell like raffle tickets yep. um, just to kind of, you know, pay our way or pay our year or, you know, what whatever it may be. And it came down to I was not motivated to sell those raffle tickets. <laughs> um, and it was either I had to sell all my gear to play or not play and Mm -hmm. i said i'm not selling any of my gear so there's there's no way that's going to happen yeah Um, so i just i unfortunately i had to just stop playing and i kind of changed sports i went more towards basketball and baseball Mm -hmm. you know and i i think that's one of the biggest issues hockey has is it's I wouldn't even say it's a working person sport anymore. You know, it's not cheap. Ice time keeps getting more expensive and the equipment keeps getting more expensive. When we were young, you could get a stick for 50 bucks. And that was one of the nicer sticks. I mean, when the Gretzky aluminum stick came out and that was a hundred bucks, we're like, oh my God, how can they charge so much? Now the cheapest stick is 150 bucks and it's not going to last you very long. So the the cost to play is definitely an issue. Um, when my kids were really young, that that's probably why we didn't get them into it. Now it's the time commitment uh, here in Minnesota. It's a you know eight day a week time commitment when oh, yeah. you think about it. So um, yeah, I totally get that. So you, you take this long hiatus from playing. I'm I'm gonna guess you still you know, played street hockey and all that good stuff. And so had that passion for the sport, but you're down in Fort Bragg in the military and you start playing again. What brought you back to the ice? 
Um, so yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, there was, uh, there was a while there and I'd, I'd been in the army for you know a few years, um, previous to that, but I, it's, it was in Hawaii and they do have an ice rink there, um, on Oahu, but I just, I wasn't really, I was more interested in watching hockey than I was playing. Mm-hmm. Mostly, mostly because the Kings were again, you know, a playoff team. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like anything that I don't have to give up. I already have my service and I'm just watching hockey. These guys are going to win the cup one of these days. Yep. Um, sure enough, no joke. It happened. Um, and it got me, you know, I kind of brought that, that fire back into me that yeah. hockey to have that effect on everybody that has fallen in love with the sport. Well, and watching um, a guy like Jonathan quick too, it's like, well, that looks a lot like a lot of fun. <laughs> he, he reminds me so much of Potvin in different ways. It's almost like he's an evolution of pot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of the way I look at it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, getting back on the topic before I get too sidetracked. Um, I had, there was a poster up um, in the PX, which is kind of like a, a mall or a, like a Walmart, so to speak. It's on post um, now that out at Bragg, and it said, you know, Fort Bragg misfits. Um, speaking of which, I got that. I got that bad boy right there. Nice the jersey that we had right there. Sweet. So, <laughs> um. But uh, I saw that, and it got me in the roller. And then the guys, you know, a couple of the guys that were playing roller were playing ice. And they said, hey, why don't you come play ice? We don't have enough goalies. I said, well, I'm going to have to get some ice skates in that case. So I went and got them <laughs> and started playing ice. <laughs> and, and you haven't turned back? No, nope, never will. Nope. Not until I get too old. <laughs> right. You know, that that's kind of how I feel. You know, here in Minnesota, we had uh, the fellow, Mr. Surditch, who – was up in Duluth and he was in his nineties and played hockey till the day he died. And it's like, I want to be that guy. Will I be in, in the net till I'm 90? Probably not. I, I think maybe, you know, as long as the knees hold out 60, I'll maybe transition out and start playing forward. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that gives me 20 more years between the pipes. So, so yeah, you those get, knee surgeries will be out for about a year between. Yeah, knock on wood, I haven't had one yet. I did sprain my MCL two years ago, uh, but it was just a sprain, and rest healed it back up. That and some, you know, good exercises, physical therapy that that uh, that helped. That's for sure. Um, so you, you're playing down at Fort Bragg. You're you're now in Wisconsin, I believe, right? You're kind of a, near that Illinois Wisconsin border. Um, yep. you're, you're on the wrong side of it, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> having grown up in Illinois, um, which that's a funny story. My high school coach, freshman, sophomore year, he's from, uh, the Milwaukee area and he's down getting his, uh, doctorate in psychology at the time. And he's coaching us and we were being little jerks at practice. And I hear him just kind of under his breath go, you know, something about all these fibs. And I just kind of stop and go, Hey. I know what that means. He goes, what does it mean? And it's like F and Illinois bastards. And he goes, Oh shit. I can't use that one around you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, 
somehow, even though he grew up in Milwaukee, he is still a Bears fan, still, you know, in a Hawks fan. Uh, but he, he stuck with the Brewers instead of the Cubs. So he, he's not fully enlightened. <laughs> I mean, it could be, it, it could be worse. You could definitely be a Cubs fan. So, well, I am. I am. I love the Cubs. Oh, I, meant, I, meant him. I meant him. He could have been a Cubs fan. That, that would have made him actually a pretty good guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you're in Wisconsin playing men's league. Um, anybody that's followed your account for any time has noticed uh, you're quite a fan of the Joker uh, to the point that he's kind of taking over your equipment. Where does that and your hair, which I, I'm going to say this whenever I see people with green hair and I'm seeing a lot more of it lately. I don't know why, but I always remember back to, I went to Catholic school virtually my whole life uh, because growing up in the city of Chicago, if you don't go private school, you're not getting an education. So mom, dad, right. <laughs> guess we're going to work extra jobs. And I remember one of the teachers going, every time I see somebody with green hair, I always wonder how they got it. And then I think, Maybe did they just go <laughs> right back with it? So it's like whenever I see that, I'm like, oh god, no, I can't think of that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but where does this um, love of the Joker come in? I think I've got some theories, but I'm going to let you tell the story. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> well, growing up, you know, we uh, we had Batman the animated series. Yes, um, one of the best cartoons, easily of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside of Darkwing Duck and DuckTales. Yes. <laughs> my, my kids have uh, watched some uh, DuckTales and they love it. It's funny because all you have to say is DuckTales around either one of them and they'll automatically go, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, the, the, the one thing I realized as my mom's favorite color was purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, the Joker and purple go, you know, hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, this, I saw this quote a long time ago, which was something along the lines of, you know, um, idolizing Batman is being a kid, but being an adult is realizing that the Joker is more right or more fun. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. And it kind of, you know, I, I read it and I was kind of like, okay, cool, whatever. And then I just recently saw it again maybe about two years ago um, before, uh, you know, my, my own issues started and I, something just kind of clicked when I read that. And I was kind of like, you know what, you know what you never really see is a lot of purple when it comes to goalie gear, mm-hmm. like Potvin had the purple, black, white, and a little bit of silver. But that was, you know, back in the day. And then nowadays, now the Kings kind of hopped on board with me and they started doing the reverse retros and there's a lot more purple in them. So I must be onto something, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, the, the Joker thing just kind of clicked with me and just kind of, it felt right to the mm-hmm. point where I just, you know, I didn't have the money to pay necessarily for a professional paint job on my mask mm-hmm. or to, you know, do these certain things that I really wanted to do. And I started with the cowlings. Um, 
the cowlings, I I tried to dye them like a like a deep blood red. Didn't work mm-hmm. out, which was fine with me. And I kind of looked at them and I went, you know what? Screw it. I'll go full Joker theme because these look pretty sick as far yeah. as the color. Um, finally, my air conditioning turned off. I don't know why it's on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 73 degrees outside. I have no idea why my air conditioning. Yeah, I, we, we got the windows <laughs> wide open here too. It's just beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that deep kind of purple-ish um, I'm, I'm looking at them right now. Like I'm looking at my entire kit just on the other side of my desk. Um, and I, I just kind of fell in love with them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the punchline because punchline's the Joker's new girlfriend in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm leading, leading into this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I started collecting comics back when I was at Bragg too. Um, and I got back into DC. I don't do Marvel. That's just not my thing. It's not my style. I like DC's more grounded approach. DC Marvel is very much like Star Wars, Star Trek. It's yeah. one or the other. You can't like both of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what I realized too after talking with comics with a bunch of people. Um, but no, oh, and the purple kind of stuck out with me. I had already had the red um, for like the smile kind of look, and then the white, which of course is, you know, synonymous purple and white was with the joker yeah um and i just kind of fell in love with that color scheme and it's not for everybody no the, the, it, that purple white <laughs> and green whether it's for you or not you have to admit it it works those three colors together work yeah they do there's it, it, there has to be a certain balance with them is what i've realized you use a little bit too much red and then it throws the whole thing out of whack mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well and it, it's interesting too because i think What's really neat, and Disney's even doing this now too, with we're getting more of the backstory of the villains and you're starting to understand them more and almost feel sorry for them. Like, well, they're not that bad. Uh, you know, Cruella, that, that new movie was actually really good. We took the kids to see it and it's like, okay, that's actually kind of, you know, you start to root for the villain now and it's kind of like, what, what's going on here? What are they doing to us? But with the Joker, I mean, they they haven't made him a lovable fellow by any means in any of the movies, but there's still kind of a, a soft spot for him in the newer movies. Like, okay, we understand where he's coming from now. Yeah. Um, And I I think a lot of people building off of that is a lot of people are like, okay, we understand where he's coming from. And he's like a lot of people these days, he's just hurt and trying to find his way to express it. He's just doing it in a different way than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where, and I, again, I think if, uh, you know, if you read, you know, the sort of um, the book that's kind of become um, the end all be all origin of the Joker, which is the killing joke, mm-hmm. it kind of puts things in perspective for you along with uh the sequel, well, I'll, I I call it a sequel. I don't know if DC's calling it a sequel, but um, <laughs> the sequel uh, known as the Three Jokers, which mm-hmm. I have both of, and I'm a huge fan of the writing in those. Um, but it's it's one of those things where after you you sit down and you read them and you're kind of like, wow, okay, 
this guy's gone through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like he says, all it takes is one bad day. Right. Just you know, flip that switch in anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this almost ties nicely into where I want to go with the conversation. You see it a lot with first responders and military. One bad day at work can change you forever. Um, you know, we're, we're recording days before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That was a bad day. Um, it's a day that uh, my dad, I, I've got the blog post pinned to the top of my uh, blog right now. My, my dad responded to New York on 9-12. Um, it changed him. Uh, you know, it's, it's one bad day can ruin a lot of good men and women. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So you mentioned a little bit that you, you were in the army. Um, I, I always like to ask this of people, uh, what motivated you to, um, serve our country and why did you choose the army over the other branches? Um, well, I'll start, start with the easy one. Why did I, choose the army over the other ones um i had too many tattoos at the time and they're the only that would take me <laughs> <laughs> um I, I had originally looked at uh the marines mm-hmm. um my dad was a marine and he smacked me upside the head when i was 16 years old when i told him i was thinking about going to the marine corps he said nope army or air force <laughs> um, um my sister was in the navy uh, my grandfather was in the navy my uncle went army and that's kind of, he's not my uncle anymore. He's since uh, moved on with his life. I, I also can't speak right now either. Um, I should say, <laughs> um, but, but no, it's, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, okay, well, the Marines don't want me. I have too many tattoos for the air force. I'll just go to the army because mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going Navy. I'm not going Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't want to spend your uh, military career on a ship. No, no, I did not. Um, I wanted to, you know, there was a lot of different factors that kind of went into why I had joined. Um, one of the main ones was my girlfriend at the time. Um, I hadn't spoken to her in probably about four or five days. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know what the deal is here. So I'm just going to go to the recruiter's office and just mm-hmm. see what's going on. Cause I didn't have, my high school diploma, I was a high school dropout um, due to losing my dad at the age of 18. Um, and the, the uh, I mean, it's just a, a culmination of a lot of different things. I was kind of like, you know what, I just need to get out of this town. Yep. You know, get out of here and start my own way or, you know, go see what else is out there. Yep. Um, so I just kind of took the opportunity to get, you know, an education, um, a job set. Um, and again, go see the world. Yeah. So when you, when you get into the army, what, what was that job set they assigned to you? Cause everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to join the army. I'm going to be a ranger. I'm going to be a green beret and I'm going to do this or that. And you, you get in and they go, here's what you're going to do. Uh, what, what did they assign you to do? Um, so the army is a little bit different than the Marines. Um, that's usually like a Marine thing where they assign you your mm-hmm. job. It's a little bit different. You can kind of, um, based on your ASVAB scores, um, you can kind of pick and choose your job to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um, obviously, everybody has to go through basic training. 
So everybody gets the same, again, basic training. Um, you know, it, it challenges you mentally. It challenges you physically. I would say more mentally for, for me specifically. Um, but looking back on it now, it's probably the, some of the most fun that I've had in my lifetime mm-hmm. was basic training. Um, but after that, I went into uh, technical engineer. Um, so I was a surveyor, drafter, designer, um, you know, doing the nuclear densitometer. People that know construction know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the concrete, um, you know, running tests and stuff on that. It's pretty much, you know, it transfers into the civilian world as like five to 10 different jobs. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was working a contract at United Health Group doing marketing in their HR department, and we were working on a tool for veterans because they're, you know, coming back from service and trying to get in civilian world, and they're like, "How does my skill set from the military translate over into the civilian sector?" So, like, we had this tool on our website where it's like, "What did you do? Here are skill sets over here." At work, and, and it was interesting because we actually had a uh, uh, veteran kind of working on that committee. He, I forget what rank he was, but he was pretty high up when he was in the military. And, you know, he, he joked about knowing some guys that went in with their resume and they were putting their shooting scores and how well they are with hand grenades and everything. And he's like, no, we need to work with these folks to let them know how your skills, what you learned here, which are real world skills from the military translate into, you know, the office, the nine to five jobs of the office construction. It was interesting and, uh, and hearing that side of it, because there, there are a lot of soldiers who get out and they're like, I'm really great at throwing hand grenades. I'm really good at hitting something, you know, a mile away, but you know, some, some don't really see how, how that translates, but it seems like you did um, in, you know, gr- great skills at the same time. Yeah, um, so p- part of that was a lot to do with the uh, the transference from the military to uh, the civilian sector with working with the VA, going mm-hmm. through certain classes, um, you know, just being kind of marketable skills yep. classes, so, you know, something to what you're you're getting at there. Um, and it was just knowing knowing the verbiage and knowing how to change the nomenclature, you know, flip it 180 degrees so that you're not a population control specialist. You're, you know, you're, or sorry, you're, you're not a, you know, a, a trained killer. You're a population control specialist. It's all yes. about how you do it. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So, you were in the military, you know, let's not Peter on Bush. You were in the military during not one, but two wars. Um, I'm going to guess that because of that, you were sent overseas. Um, nope. you know, oh, you weren't. No, I never had the opportunity to. And it kills me each time. But feel free to ask away. I have friends that are knowledgeable on the basis. So. Yeah, no, well... I, it's interesting. A lot of people are going to, you know, listen who were never in the military and say, what does he mean? I didn't have the opportunity and it kills me. Uh, but I wasn't in the military, but I got a lot of friends and family who were, and I know exactly what you mean because it's your brothers and sisters were over there and you want to be there to, 
you know, have their back. You, you didn't get that opportunity. So you, you were in, but they didn't send you over. What, what did they, what did you wind up doing then? Uh, um, so yeah, I had a couple opportunities. My first opportunity, uh, my first sergeant told me, you know, Hey, I want you to be my driver. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had, uh, I forget what the name of the exercise was. It's been hitting the head one too many times without proper protection. <laughs> Too many, um, too many hockey pucks, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he, there was an exercise that we did, and I was, you know, did really well at it. Um, so he wanted, and I was, you know, he's seen the way that I've dri- driven, and he's like, I don't really have any spots for your MOS, but if I take you as a driver, it doesn't matter what your MOS is. You're my driver, and you're the guy that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just sign this paperwork, and we'll get it done. Sign the paperwork right then and there, no questions asked, and they kicked it back. Um, they have about, I think, 30 to 45 days or something like that to kick it back. They kicked it back within a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was due to me PCSing, which is moving, essentially, for those not in the know, um, changing duty stations. Um, so that was one time. And then the second time, um, I chose to go to Bragg instead of fort hood or not fort hood um what is it it's up there in new york Fort. Uh, i'm drawing a blank gosh i'm drawing a blank yep um anyway it's up there in new york it's uh the 10th mountain division they're uh they're based also i'm sure i'll think of it at some point but um and i chose not to go there um and this is another thing that kind of gets me too, is I switched with a buddy of mine to go to Bragg because they had just left for a deployment. And I was like, well, you know what? Hey, I, that's my best opportunity for a deployment is to go there. Um, and I went there and I tried to deploy. And they're like, nope, you're not going to deploy. You're stuck here. Oh, well, great. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> So, but uh, my buddy that went to New York, um, you know, we lost him not too long after uh, after we we got there. Um, he went on, I think he went on, or he came back from a training exercise overseas. He's one of the two, um, and he lived. He's from Alabama. He went down there on his motorcycle, um, and then on his way back up to new york he was in an accident and unfortunately passed away Oof. so sorry to hear that yeah that's it's it's tough especially when you hear all the statistics of guys that are going on leave they're coming back on leave and that's how they end mm-hmm. up passing away especially when they come from or they're going to you know wartime especially mm-hmm. when they come home and then that happens it, it's it kills everybody mentally spiritually it it takes its toll yeah absolutely um so you're in the in the service for a while uh and and you get out um but you you know you mentioned your dad is a marine and and all the marines i've met is there's no former marines you're always a marine and and it's interesting because everybody i talk to who's served and i know people have been in every branch except for the space force um, <laughs> and they won't say it the way a Marine does, but it's the same thing. You're just not active duty anymore. That's what it, 
means. You know, you're not in the military, which just means you're not active duty. Once a soldier, always a soldier. Um, which makes the last couple of weeks very difficult on every veteran I know, whether they served in Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam, World War II. The past couple of weeks have been very hard. Um, mentally, emotionally, it, and the hard part is not so much from the vets I've talked to, not so much how things went down, but the fact that they did, and it's like, what did our so what did our soldiers who we lost what was it for then if this is how we were going to do it um how have you been doing with that and what advice do you have for us civilians for checking in on our veterans that we know to make sure they're okay um yeah i mean it's been it's pretty i mean i know for me specifically like i said i never went over there Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I know it, you know, it, it, it hurts me that I didn't, that I wasn't able to go over there. I even looked into flights going to straight to Kabul just to help those people out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going to cost me around a thousand dollars. And I was really tempted to drop that cash and just go over there because, you know, those people need help. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I know I've got, you know, I've got my own, um, you know, I've got my family here. I've got my, you know, lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, priorities. Yep. Um, you got your reasons not to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I have to, you know, keep reminding myself, you know, Hey, you're not, you're not in anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, put things in perspective. Yep. Um, but if you know if, if i didn't have my family I, I would without a doubt i wouldn't be here i'd be over there doing yep. everything that i could um but as far as you know the civilians and how they check in on on you know the veterans and everything just just start a conversation with them that's mm-hmm. like the best thing you know i wouldn't necessarily say um you know, hey, how do you feel about what's going on? I I can tell you right now, every veteran's going to look at you like you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, they're pissed. We we know how how they feel. They're pissed. Yep, yep. So I would say, you know, just kind of check in, just kind of look at them dead in the eye and say, you know, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you doing okay? Um, you know, just like I said, just start that conversation. Um, there's uh. I mean, I, I'm holding a lot back here, <laughs> specifically <laughs> thinking of uh, you know the, the your your audience, and there may not be too many people that are mm, how do I say this that have little ears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, no, um, I'm. Week three of football season is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week four game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. 
If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has plenty of huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, you must be 21 or older, live in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. When I first heard about what happened, I was beyond pissed off. Mm-hmm. I was irate. I wanted to do everything in my power to find somebody that was involved and strangle the life from them mm-hmm. their hands. Yep. Um, um, and that's not a joke. I literally had that thought wash over me into my head. Um, and it was just one of those things that I had to just kind of take a deep breath and just say, you know what? It, it's, it is what it is. I'm allowed to be, I'm allowed to be pissed off. Yep, absolutely. That, you know, I have towards what's going on, but committing violence is not okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what separates you from the Joker. (laughs) Um, No, it's a, yeah, believe you me, there's, there's, I had a fair amount of words with uh, my boss, who's, you know, an SF veteran. Um, at work and he and I had uh, luckily enough you know he's an outlet mm-hmm. that I take full advantage of and we kind of bounce these things off of each other um, and I've been enlightened over the last I would say week about what may or may not be going on over there I have to be careful with what I say because I do have a secret clearance and he has top secret confidential so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, well, uh, one of my best friends, he's a, a retired Navy pilot. He threw, he flew C2s off carriers and he flew, I'm fairly certain he flew special ops teams around because he's flown all over the Mideast. He's, he talked about flying into Kabul, into Bagram, uh, into some of these other places. My favorite story of his is, uh, I forget where they landed in Afghanistan, but they needed fuel. So he had a suitcase with $250,000 cash and he went and paid for it. And they said, now, whatever you do, come back with the receipt. So he's walking over. They don't even open the suitcase. He's like, I could have taken money out of there. Nobody would know. And he goes, but I didn't because I'm an honest person. He (laughs) said, there's the language difference. And he's trying to tell him I need a receipt. You know, it's just kind of sign a check and says they pull out a, blank piece of paper and put an X on it. And he's like, okay. So he brings it back to his commanding officer. He goes, this is the receipt they gave me. He goes, okay, that'll work. <laughs> and then they fueled <laughs> up and flew out of there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of fun. We had the, my wife and I had the, uh, I won't call it the opportunity, but almost the honor. They have this bonus room and uh, he's got all this amazing stuff 
awards and swords he got from uh, his time in the military. He even had an Afghan war blanket that was uh, given to him by an Afghan soldier. Um, but he didn't want it displayed, you know, in the house so when anybody comes over. But the, they had this bonus room. And so his wife wanted some of this stuff uh, on the walls from so we went over and kind of got that room together. And it was really neat to get this stuff that was important to him and display it so that him and his family could see it, but also hear the stories behind it. Cause you know, we'd pull something out of the box and now it's going to be a half hour till we figure out where the heck it's going to go. Cause he's got to tell us the story, <laughs> you know, but it was just really neat to uh, give him that opportunity. It's just kind of talk about it in a way that was comfortable for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's a big deal. Um, what I like to do um I'd say maybe about, you know, once a month or, you know, a little bit more often than that even is just go to my local VFW hall, just sit down and just start a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, whether you're there to drink or not, you know, just make it a point to, you know, make that person to person connection. Yeah. Especially with those guys that, that have gone overseas and here, just let them tell their stories because it not only helps you, to kind of you know put the pieces together for what they've been through and so you never know what other people have gone through Mm -hmm. but it also them kind of have a therapeutic experience um just by telling that story it helps them relive it but in a way that's safe for them yeah i was gonna say they're they're talking to somebody that understands it My, my dad was a fireman for over 30 years almost 30 of them were in chicago and when he starts talking to another firefighter, they tell each other stories. Dad'll tell me because I went to the firehouse with them growing up every chance I got. So I've I've seen behind the curtain there, but there's stories he won't tell mom. There's stories he won't tell my sister, but there's stories he'll tell me when I start talking to him. There's stories he'll tell, you know, one of the uh their friends on the island where they live now, who's on the fire department, is like there's a sense of like you said, safety. When when there's somebody that's either seen or done the same stuff as you, that other people just aren't going to understand. Um, yeah, you know. But you know, getting back to the question, you know, like you said, you can you can tell by looking at some of these folks that they're hurting, and all you have to do is ask them how are you doing. And even if they're not showing, because they have a poker face, still ask them because they're all hurting right now. Every single one I know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. There's it's, and it's not just on the level of, you know, I was there, I did my part. It's again, I have to be careful with what I say here, but it's one of those things where the powers that be are not being held accountable for what they say, for what they do. And those people that have, been held accountable for the smallest little thing are pissed off because Mm -hmm. there's no accountability well you as soldiers you guys took an oath and you fulfilled it to a t our elected officials took an oath and they didn't fulfill it you know it's that that simple yeah Um, yeah um, so switching gears, I, I know you've listened to the podcast, so, um, I know that you're probably fully prepared for my list of rapid fire questions. Um, 
Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, being mindful of time. Uh, and I know that these questions, while I call them rapid fire, aren't necessary, don't necessarily go super quick because of the stories that come out of them. So what's the craziest coaching moment uh, from your playing days? Craziest coaching moment. Oh, God. Okay. Um, probably. Okay. So we were doing. We were doing laps. We get done doing laps. We get, then we go, you know, the, we start doing lines, um, you know, the, the from red line to blue line to back to the red line to, you know, center red line, this, that, and the other. So we're doing this. And next thing you know, um, the coach's son just says, screw this, and just starts doing snow angels in the middle of the ring. <laughs> he just, screw this, and just starts doing snow angels right there. And while everybody's doing laps, we're going, that's what we're supposed to do. Literally, the entire team follows suit. No joke. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Um, so, what did the coach do? It just blew the whistle, and just, like all the coaches were just laughing. They're just like, "Oh, okay, this is yeah, okay, all right." And that was kind of like uh, a prerequisite for what I learned in the military, which was, <laughs> you know, if if one of you screws up, you all screw up. But if you all screw up, you all screw up together. You can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what age group was this? I mean, was it like squirts, peewees or. God. Yeah. It had to have been squirts. Like it was, yeah, it was like one of my first, uh, my first years playing hockey. Okay. So yeah, it was really young. See, it would have been better if it was like a high school college practice and that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what is your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh, God. Oh, man. Um, it, Yeah, for me personally, it's going to have to be Potvin with the King. I had a feeling it was going to be Potvin, but I like that it was the Kings. Yeah. Um, And recently... um, Whose was it? The, the, um, was it Vasilevsky or was it Jake Allen? Tampa- I think. Was it Allen? Yeah, he's got kind of that Potvin esque look yeah. to it. Yep. Oh man, I saw that and I instantly fell in love with it. I was like, oh, the palm trees as the whisk. Oh my god, I I fell in love with that. That's probably one of my favorite new ones. See, it, it's sure. as a young goalie, I couldn't stand Potvin because he beat the Hawks in the playoffs. But as I've gotten older, I've grown an appreciation for him uh, where it's like, I didn't like him when he played, but I really appreciate what he did on the ice. And he was still fun to watch. Same thing with Curtis Joseph. I hated him. Absolutely hated him because he beat the Hawks when he was with St. Louis. But then when he went to Edmonton, then I started to appreciate him. I mean, that playoff series of his, I mean, he was unreal. Uh, how could you not cheer for him? And then I read his book and it was like, okay, now I do kind of like you, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So what is the, your favorite rink that you've ever played at and why? Oh man, a favorite rink. You know what? I keep remembering and I keep thinking back to the this rink i don't remember the name of it but it was in omaha nebraska and every time i think about that i think a slap shot too and what the do they know about hockey in omaha nebraska (laughs) um (laughs) um, but no it was it was 
I think it was my first goal that I had ever scored when I was, you know, obviously I was playing a winger. I wasn't goalie at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but it was just something about the rink. It was super small, nothing super drastic, nothing super crazy. Um, it was just a really nice, humble rink. And I just remember the road trip being that going on there and playing Game Boy the whole way there and the whole way back from yeah. uh, Waterloo, Iowa, of all places where I was living at. So Yeah, and I have to say Omaha is an underrated small city to visit. I had to go there for work a few times, and it's like, oh, this is kind of a cool little place. Easy to get around, you know, enough to do if you're down there for a weekend but still feel like you did everything. It's a uh, <laughs> cool little city. Um so what's your favorite stick that you've ever used? Um, gosh, you know what? I, it's probably, uh, it was a coho. Um, I think the last one that I had finally snapped when I was playing roller and I transferred over to ice. I want to say it was a 50, 80 twig. I could be wrong in the series number though, but it was, uh, it was like a dark blue with, uh, the wood, you know, the whole thing was wood. Yep. Um, like, core wood and it was dark blue with the white coho letters almost like a potvin style actual yep. coho with yep. uh that the wood shaft um yeah. i love that thing that thing never let me down <laughs> yeah you know we, we had those as an option in college and when i first started they were the blue and white and then they switched to uh montreal colors of the red paddle with white lettering and blue outline because that those were our school colors and uh, all of the other goalies absolutely loved them. And I was the only one that was like, we got Christians over there. I'll, I'll use those. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great because uh, at the end of the school year, you know, I, th- I think at the time they were giving us six, three for 20 bucks. And at the end of the school year, I went to get a few uh, sticks for summer vacation. And there were like, I don't know, six left in the cabinet. And the coach had handled all the equipment. He's like, I'll take your 20 bucks, but just take all the Christians that are left. You're the only ones that use them. So I got like half dozen sticks for 20 bucks. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember those co-hosts. I used a few of them. Um, yeah. They, they were a good stick. They were, they had a lot of give to them. They were kind of almost like soft is the best way to say it. Soft, but yeah. still firm. <laughs> yeah. They had a lot of whip in them, as I like to say. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's why I didn't like them because I, was, I wasn't good at playing the puck. So the whip wasn't going to help me. So I just kind of like, you know, a big log like a Christian because like, I just need this to get in the way. I'm not playing the puck. No need. Um, Ooh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm still terrible at playing the puck. That's why I stick handle all the time, every chance I get. See, but, I'm, uh, I'm the opposite. I just tell my teammates, you don't want me playing the puck, so I'm not going to. And they're like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. They're like... I'm not very good at playing defense and you don't want me to play it. It's like, that's where we differ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what is the nice. Go on. I was going to say uh, the nice thing about the co-hosts because of how whippy they are. They were really, really forgiving. If uh, you know, you tried to tow the puck or you heal the puck, it was kind of uh you know, with all that whippiness, it just kind of evened out. And it, I, I got to cheat a little bit with them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Oh, man, youth hockey memory. Um, 
probably it's probably going to be strapping on those pads for the first time. In all honesty, um, I was I was that kid that had them on the wrong wrong legs the first time I put them. On. <laughs> If if you played goalie as a squirt and didn't put him on the wrong legs, did you really play goalie as a squirt? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember doing that, but that was because they were the old brown leather pads and it was like it didn't matter which way you put those on, really. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't have to worry about the knee stack being on the outside of the knee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but no, the uh, the the first I would say probably the whole first year of me playing goalie. Um, you know how like, we always rotate. Um, you know, personnel who would play goalie. Well, it was literally between me and this one other kid. Um, I think his name was Andy. I forget his last name though. Um, but uh, it was between me and him. And my my season, I had I think a total of like five shutout pins for the whole year. And I, mm-hmm. I took severe pride in that. I was like, I've got five, five shutouts, five shutouts, five shutouts. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I've had, I've had one in my adult life. So that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember my first shutout was the day after Christmas as a squirt my first year. And it, I still remember that my aunt and uncle were in town and they came to the game, but in beer leagues, I, I think I've gotten two or three, but it might, one of my last ones were playing in the game and end of the second period, I go to the bench and one of my teammates is like, Hey, you got a shutout going. Can you keep it going? And everybody just looked at him like you. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, if puck goes in, it's your fault. Now I wound up yep. getting the shutout, but it was funny. Like every time he was on the ice, he played defense like he'd never played before he's like I couldn't let couldn't let it go <laughs> but it was just funny how he said it. it was like you know the old movies where the record skips and everybody just stops and turns like what did you just say <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice off the ice directed at you not directed at you uh best one you've heard oh gosh I think the best one I've heard was kind of directed at me but indirectly towards somebody that I've been somewhat friends with for the last few years which was uh you know I'm playing like Trav 4 um I I wasn't really sure how to take that I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) um but uh but no he it's one of those things where I was kind of like, you know, I, was, not, I don't know if I'm playing good or bad. I... <laughs> well, and I'm also impressed that a non-goalie knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I, well, it was a younger kid, so I think he's probably more on the influencer side of things and how he knew him, probably YouTube or Instagram yep. or something like that. So, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what is the worst post-game beer you've had? Oh God, uh, Yingling easily. Oh, you're not a fan of Yingling? No, no, it was uh, no. I and I've I've I tell you this. My first beer was Steel Reserve, so that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting because you know a lot of us Midwesterners when we get the chance to go out east, we're like, well, we got to try Yingling. And to me, that's it. I've only really had it on tap, so that helps. I think any beer is better on tap. Um, but to me, it's a really good 
cheap beer. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it may have just been the fact that it was post game. So it was mm-hmm. a little salty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that, you know, the only time I've had it when I'm, like I said, out east visiting my mom and dad. So it's not like I'm playing hockey at that point. It's just, <laughs> and usually th- there may be a, a beer or two already in me by the time I get to the Yingling. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, no, I, uh, I think, uh, what was it? When I went to the Hendy festival a couple of years back, I got in touch with you about, uh, you know, good places to eat and, you know, good beers that were kind of local. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to try any of the local stuff. Yeah. Well, right across the street from the rink is the, uh, tipsy steer and Invictus brewing that they have both good food and good beer. Um, yeah. Yep. That's where, that's where we went for, uh, you know, post game slash post tourney, uh, beverages um but no they they had great food um, yeah their their burgers are top notch oh yeah they're probably one of my top five burger joints for sure same same here top three non-chain for sure <laughs> here's a fun one when chris Chelio still had chili's chili bar in chicago we went there before a game and that that was great because that was back when like his whole family was working at the place. His dad was in the kitchen that day. His aunts were the servers. And, you know, that was one of the best cheeseburgers I ever had was at Chili's Chili Bar in Chicago. But Invictus is uh, right up there. You wow. know, every now and then I'll be out that way, for, you know, around lunch or dinner time. It's like, you know what? We're going to stop in. We're going to get some food. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Anytime I'm, I go there, that's where I'm going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, there there's other good places, but. If you're looking for a burger, to me that that's that's the one to get. Um, and you can get your skates sharpened right up the road too. <laughs> yeah, you can. You know, um, yeah, that's a great little area. I mean, that's where I skate my beer league out of is at the uh, Super Rink. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm not too far from there. Uh, it's a nice little area, that's for sure. Yeah, that whole sports complex is amazing. That place is huge. Yeah, I mean the fact that there's eight sheets of ice. I think it's something like 32 locker rooms. When you factor in the different high school locker rooms, the USA locker room, the Bethel university locker rooms. And then you got, I don't even know how many soccer fields are up to now. It's probably close to a hundred. Then you have, you, <laughs> yeah. have, you have the baseball softball complex. Then you have the golf course. Um, then they have the stadium. They used to have the state track and field meet there, but, uh, they play soccer there uh, a lot too. Now, then they have the indoor stuff for indoor soccer, basketball, all that good stuff. They used to have a velodrome for bicycling. It was one of two in the nation, but they, they just recently decommissioned that. Wow. Yeah. It was, Jeez. Everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. It's quite, quite the complex. It's a cool place. Um, and they run a top-notch beer league. You know, I, I think there's – Gosh, I forget how many divisions and teams, over a hundred teams skate out of there. Um, and some of the divisions wow. get quite competitive. Uh, the team I skate on, we're in a lower level D league. Uh, I skate with them just cause I like the group of guys. I could skate up. I have skated up, but I like the group of guys. So, and as a goalie, I prefer more shots than fewer shots. So it's, <laughs> it works. It's mutually beneficial. We'll, we'll put it that way. <laughs> um, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? You know what? Right before I hopped on here, 
I was going to ask you the exact same question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll answer first then. I have always gone heel to toe. And it was funny. I was having this conversation earlier this week with Bonesy. Uh, part of it is back in the day when sticks were wood and, you know, Christians were notorious for it where you, they were like a sponge and they just soak in that water yep. and they'd start to split. Well, you'd throw a little wood. Here's another thing. Did you have a Christian stick if you didn't put wood glue in it and put it in the vice overnight to repair it? Um, and then you would tape not just from the heel, but from the paddle above the heel down yep. to the toe. And that was just you wanted to get a little extra tape there to hold that heel together before it finally broke and you had to get a new stick. And years later, I still tape my stick the same way. I still go slightly up the paddle. Um I've gone back and forth of going all the way to the toe and, you know, kind of clipping it. Um, now I just leave, you know, the slimmest of part of the blade uh, at the toe. Um, I do run a strip along the edge of the stick before I tape though, just kind of an extra reinforcement. Uh, again, because I'm in foam core stick. So if I were using a composite, I probably wouldn't need to do that. Uh, when I was in high school, I did the Trevor Kid where I took that piece of tape and went all the way up the paddle on both sides of it because, <laughs> you know, in practice, that's where your stick would just get chewed up. So that tape actually served a purpose back then. But, uh, yeah, I'm still going heel to toe. Yeah, the other thing I noticed, too, is about uh, the kid tape job was, you know, that tends to be the, the paddle would be back in the day. It would be where, you know, you start getting fraying from going paddle down all the time, too. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, for, for me, I've, uh, I've, I've been experimenting with, uh, quite a different tape jobs here lately. Um, but most of the time I do, um, I'll do a little piece of tape on the bottom just cause that's that old school that's still stuck yeah. in me. Yep. Um, I'll use, uh, you know, the, the regular, you know, one inch or three quarter inch, uh, tape for that one. Um, but then the rest of it, um, it'll either be three quarters tape job or it'll be, you know, half, mm -hmm. uh, um, Travis kind of rubbed off on me, I guess, as far as that one, but, uh, I use the, the old thick boy tape. Okay. So, um, but no, it's, yeah, the, the, the thick stuff. So I don't have to, you know, use quite as much of it, um, for the same coverage area. Yeah. Um. Uh, the thick but no, stuff would be a little hard to make that turn on the, the heel. So yeah, I, I haven't gone that, that route yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why I said like, you know, the three quarters to it or a, or a half. Yeah. Um, but I usually feel the toe. I still, that's still stuck in me. Even yep. when, uh, even when I skate out, it's heel to toe. Yep. Same here. Same here. Um, so what's your favorite number to wear and why? So it used to be 32. Um, for you know obvious reasons rudy wick um you know it's such a such a goalie number to wear i guess mm -hmm. um, but in recent years i've, I've kind of changed it um i've gone to uh 28 um mostly because uh i was i was born in 88 mm -hmm. um my wife's favorite number is 88 um but 88's always taken for some odd reason, I think there's a guy in uh, Chicago. He goes by the name of uh, King yeah. or something. 
crazy like that. Pretty pretty good pretty good player I've heard. Yeah, pretty good American player from what I've heard. Um possibly best of all time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but no, eighty eight has been taken quite a bit um over the last few years, which whatever team I'm on, whether it be, you know, Badger State Warriors, um, which is that group of uh veterans that play out of uh, the Kenosha, Milwaukee area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and 22, that used to be my lucky number. Um, that number's always taken too. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's all just take 28. Nobody ever wants 28 because everybody just thinks Ty Domi. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good reason to take the number though. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that's, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, has there ever been, you know, a major goalie to wear 28? And the only thing I could really think of was like Hextall. But I was like, I don't think he wore 28. I think it was like 27 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, Hextall was 27. That's because he liked to score goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He also liked to fight Potvin every once in a while, too. But I don't, that's what I heard. I don't know if there's videos on YouTube or anything. <laughs> yeah, there might be one. <laughs> but, uh, but no, 28 has kind of become, you know, my new, I've kind of owned it. Um, and my wife asked me one day, you know, why, why are you wearing 28 now? I was like, well, you know, 22 and 88, just mix my number with your number. It's two eights. Yeah. Yeah. So it works. So last question, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Oh man, honestly, after everything that I've been through, you know what? You need to take care of your mental health as much as your physical health. Um, that's especially when it comes to goaltending, you know, it's, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, those of us that are in the know, know it's 90% mental. Yeah. Um, and if your mental health isn't doing good, just like, you know, Leonard, um, he's a big advocate for mental health as well. Uh, yeah. He, uh, I, I remember I posted something not that long ago um, about having his back. Um, you know, and I'm just, you know, regular old Joe Blow. Not to, not to be a pun here, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm just a regular Joe, regular guy. I mean, I'm a veteran and everything. I, I'm lucky enough to have earned that title. Um, but, you know, he, he's been a big advocate for mental health for the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, yeah. And I posted something about it and he, you know, he liked it. He reached out to me and he was like, you know what? Thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate it. Um, and even something just as simple as that, as somebody with their own mental issues, such as myself, along with him, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reaching out to each other, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know what, I'm, you know, you have to realize that you're not alone, but you also have to realize you have to depend on yourself to take care of yourself because yep. nobody else can take care of you for you. No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, Robin Lehner being as vocal as he has been, I think has been a hugely positive thing for young goaltenders because, you know, they're learning. It's okay to say I'm not okay. Um, you know, and I, I think that's been amazing. And, you know, to, to me, he should be one of the faces of the NHL strictly because of that. Um, you know, he's he's been great in that, that regard. Absolutely. Because it's not, 
and it doesn't just apply to goalies either. It applies to, you know, every athlete, every person in the world. Yeah. Everyday life. So, you know, and, and I know Justin Goldman and his uh, lift the mask project, you know, they're big advocates of the same thing is, you know, we all have our, our mask that we're wearing this time we take it off and let people know, Hey, maybe I do need help or I'm here for you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah. that's, uh, I think that <laughs> now that you mentioned that and that kind of aspect, I did read uh, a couple of their books. Um, I have them here, but yeah. uh, the embracing, embracing the grind and the other one, I haven't read all of them, unfortunately, not yet, but <laughs> I think uh, that whole putting the mask on um, kind of thing and probably had something to do with the Joker aspect as well. Yeah. Um, you know, cause out there on the ice, I can be as crazy as I want to be as long as yeah. I'm stopping the who cares. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? Uh, yeah. They can follow me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Lord of the crease. Um, and I am on YouTube. It's been probably over a year since I made a video, but I'm gonna. I'm looking at getting back into that. Um, I think my last video was how to repair a palm. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin it. Yeah. Don't ruin it. <laughs> um, and, and I'll put that stuff in the show notes. And you know, just because of the conversation we've had today, I'm gonna put um, links. You know, where where folks can go to you know get help, especially for veterans as well, just uh, so that they can find that info. Um, but Ian, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know uh, scheduling was kind of uh, interesting for us. So we, we got it figured out. Uh, so thank you. That's all good, man. I appreciate you having me. Ian and I have been following each other on social media for some time now. I even wrote a behind the mask feature on him when I first started my blog. It was nice to actually talk with him face-to-face, even if it was a video chat. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we both did. Also, if you are a veteran or know one who might need some help, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You can find Ian on Instagram and Twitter at Lord of the Crease, all one word. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some wash-up goalie or attendee talk apparel, be sure to visit the Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Weekly Nightly Podcast, the Skates and Plates Podcast, and the House of Hockey Podcast are all listed there. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream your music from. I'm always working on lineup up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, 
rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Thank <laughs> you.